so our verse for this series has been Genesis 1:28. It says, "And God blessed them and said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and have dominion." God's call on your life and on my life is to have dominion. We have authority. God's authority in us. And we have to remember that God has called us to have dominion over each of these areas. So we have the gate of family and the gate of education, government, media, entertainment, business, health, and wellness. So those are all of the gates that we have the authority over. But we also have dominion utilizing our APEST gifting. So this is the APEST gifting that we've talked about from Ephesians 4. Whether you're an apostolic person, you're the inventor and the entrepreneur, or you're prophetic and you're the seer and the reformer. Maybe you're evangelistic and you're the storytellers and the gatherers. Maybe your gifting is in shepherding and these are our caretakers and our healers. Or maybe it's your teacher and you have the gift to learn and to help guide other people. So I've been praying um, over this message that God would show me what gate-level authority influence looks like. And the Lord took me to a passage that I've never really understood in this light before. Is we're going to talk about our um, struggle, our position, and our power. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. So, so that's the struggle we are battling. But then we also have to realize our position. Our position comes from Ephesians 2, 6. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. So our position is with Christ. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 4 gives us our power. It says the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So I want to teach um, you a little bit about uh, your gate-level authority. So a long time ago, cities used to have gates around them. And these gates were important because it would provide a point of controlled access. And it, pro it provided departure and arrivals to the city for the people and vehicles. These are for their goods and their animals. It kept everything contained. But depending on the historical context, it also filled their functions related to defense and security and health and trade and taxation. It was a representation of where they were. And they always had military or other officials standing at those gates. This could also be a heavily fortified area. It was a location for a warning or intimidation. Back then, when they would behead the heads of their enemies, guess where they would put them? At the gates of their cities. This was their intimidation to the other people, like, hey, don't mess with us, because this is what happens when you do mess with us. So they would use these gates. But we're going to dive into Isaiah 21 and 22. This is Babylon and Jerusalem. And in the Bible, Babylon is not a place. It's a culture. And it's the culture of the Antichrist. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have Israel. It is the literal Babylon. This is where they would fight battles 
and it was the spirit of the enemy. Babylon was known as being a kingdom of darkness. It was full of wickedness and evil. But then you also had the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was known for being the city of God. It was known for being a place of peace and righteousness. Isaiah 21, 5 through 6 says, Arise, O prince. So this is our position of authority. Arise, O prince. Oil the shield. This is their power and their weapons, the shield. Go set a watchman. Where do you think the watchman go? To the gates. This is the position of the city. They're at the gates. Go set a watchman. Upon a watchtower I stand, continually by day, and at my post and I stationed whole nights. And, and he answered, fallen, fallen is Babylon, and all the carved images of her God, he has shattered to the ground. So Babylon has fallen. The evil, the wickedness, Babylon has fallen. It is shattered and it is defeated. This is key. We have to remember that Babylon has fallen. We have to exercise our gate level of authority. I'm going to spell out gate for you today. The G for gate is go. Go to your position of authority. Isaiah 22, verse 15 through 17. Thus says the Lord, God of hosts, come to the steward, to Shibana, who is over the household, and say to him, who do you think you are, and what are you doing here? that you have cut out here the tomb for yourself. You who cut out a tomb on the height of a carve, a dwelling for yourself in the rock, behold, the Lord will hurl you away violently, O you strong man. Now, I don't know about you, but this last verse kind of catches my attention because it tells us he's talking to a strong man, but it also before this says, the Lord will hurl you away violently. I don't want to be that strong man. I don't want to be the person that the Lord is hurling away violently. But we all have strongholds in our life, whether it's in our life or our family, maybe our job or even in our city. In your life, these strongholds can look like addiction. These strongholds can look like fear, anxiety, or depression. In your family, it can look like rebellion against leadership. Maybe it's debt. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's generational curses. But sometimes a stronghold in your job can often sound a lot like, I'm just not qualified. I just don't know if I'm good enough. But then strongholds in your city can look a lot like, our city's too far gone to do anything good. It's beyond hope. Or it's going to hell in a handbasket. But these are strongholds that we are meant to break. These aren't strongholds that we're supposed to stay in. We have the authority over these areas in our life. Now, I remember a cartoon um, that I would watch growing up, um, Scooby-Doo. While he was full of these rut-row moments, he always was caught in these situations that weren't always as bad as they seemed. Oftentimes, he would see a ghost or a scary thing, and he would always go to the crew and, you know, explain to them what's going on. But a lot of times, it was just a person with a sheet over their head. And it wasn't as bad as it seems by the time they went through and figured it all out. But fear, can I talk to you about fear? Fear is a false evidence 
appearing real? What false evidence is the enemy speaking into your life? What false evidence in your life seems very real right now, but God's like, no, no, we've got the dominion over this. We've got the, we've got the keys to this gate. Don't let this false evidence become real in your life. Because the things that you say to yourself over and over and over again can start sounding a lot like truth. And that's not the gospel. Back in March of 1974, Hiro Anoda was a Japanese soldier lieutenant. And he emerged from the jungles of Lubang Island in the Philippines. What was unusual about him coming out at this time was his appearance. He was still dressed as a World War II soldier, even though the war ended 29 years ago. When he was fighting in the war, Anoda and three of his soldiers had been cut off from the rest of their troops when the American soldiers came in to northern Philippines. And because of this, he didn't receive the news that the war had ended. He spent the next three decades surveying military facilities, engaging in clashes with local residents. He had seen pamphlets that the war had ended. He had heard that the war had ended, but he thought it was false propaganda. He didn't believe it. He didn't know that it was real. And so because of this, Anoda didn't believe the war was over, and he continued running. He continued hiding, and he just merely survived for 29 years. But what would have happened if Anoda had emerged 29 years before. He could have rejoined his family. He could have gotten a job. He could have built a prosperous life. But how many of us in this room are living like Anoda? How many of us are hiding? How many of us are scared? How many of us are living a second-rate existence because we don't realize that we could be set free? Sometimes we live life with anger and fear and grief, anger and blaming other people for the things that have happened in your life. I know anger typically comes out most when you feel like you're not in control of a situation, and that when there's a lot of grief, there's also a lot of denial paired with that. In the Bible, there's a story where Peter cuts the ear off of the other guy And Jesus says to Peter, don't you understand if I wanted to have done that, I could have sent a legion of angels to take care of that. Now, I wouldn't want to be the person that Jesus releases a legion of angels onto. That does not sound like an awesome experience. But Jesus didn't operate in anger because he understood his authority. The A in gate is attack. Attack and pull down the strongholds. It says, he will seize firm hold on you and whirl you around and around and throw you like a ball into a wide land. There you shall die and there shall be your glorious chariots. You shame of your master's house. I will thrust you from your office and you will be pulled down from your station. This is, this is from a level of authority. Spiritual warfare isn't necessarily a matter of emotion. It's a matter of operating from a position of authority and calmly enforcing your legal right. 
Imagine you're the CEO of a company. Now, I am not the CEO, but I can picture it. So let's all go there. Let's all picture that we're CEOs of a company. And we've just taken the elevator to the 45th floor of our building. And we step out of the elevator and we are walking into our office space. And as we open the door, you see that somebody has started to live in your office. Now, you don't necessarily have to get mad or angry because you have the position of authority. You're the CEO. And so you can just say, leave. You don't belong here. This isn't your office. This isn't your house. You don't get to live here. And then if they don't leave, what can you do? You can very quickly let the authorities know in your corporation, hey, get this guy out of here. And they leave because they can enforce your authority and that legal right. The T for gate is you have to take. What are we taking? We're taking the keys. We're going to close the gate of destruction and open the gate of blessing. It says in verse 20, In that day I will call my servant Eliakim and the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe you, I will clothe him with your robe, and will bind your sash on him, and will commit your authority to his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of Judah. And I will place on his shoulders the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut it, and he shall shut it and none shall open it. We are no longer a slave to sin because we have, we have a key of authority. We're not a slave to our old ways that lead to destruction. We're not a slave to what used to be because God has blessed us and God has called us. And we have to commit ourselves to him in order to receive it. So the E for gate is expect. What can we expect? We can expect peace and security and generational blessing. Verse 23 through 25 says, And I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place, and he will become a throne of honor to his father's house, and they will hang on him. The whole honor of his father's house, the offspring in issue, every small vessel, from the cups of all the flagons. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, the peg that was fastened in a secure place will give way, and it will be cut down and fall, and the load that was on it will be cut off, for the Lord has spoken. Now, I know that we've been talking a lot about keys this series, and I don't know about you, but if you drove here, will you take out your car keys? Will you you take them out for just a second? You see, I played sports growing up. Take them out. You can, you can shake them around. That's fine. I played sports growing up. Varsity basketball and soccer for several years. And one of the things that I loved as being a sports player was the fan base. The people that were there to cheer you on. The people that were there to hype you up. But I also remember a few games where if we were really far ahead, our fans would start to take out their keys. So let's shake the keys. They would take out their keys and they would shake their keys, basically saying, hey, other team, pack up. Go ahead and start your bus. Go ahead and head back home because you're not winning. You're not going to win here. And can I tell you that God has given us keys to these gates 
and we have his authority inside of us, we can't back down from that. We have to remember that we have the key. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, I don't know what I have the key to. I've heard this, but I don't know what God's called me to have authority over. And that's okay. That's between you and the Lord. But what's also between you and the Lord is your personal relationship with him. And so in just a few seconds, I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their head. And what I would like is if you would like to step into a personal relationship with Jesus, saying, Jesus, hey, I'm giving you the key to my heart. I want you to have authority and dominion in my life and to empower that authority and dominion through me. I would just ask that you slip up your hand. So let's with every eye closed and every head bowed. If that's you in this room, you're saying, Lord, I need to step into a relationship with you. On the count of three, if you'll just raise your hand, I would like to pray with you. One, two, three. Awesome. And all together, let's just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. Amen. Let's celebrate those that just gave their hearts to the Lord. If that was you, through these doors, on the way out, we have our Wafa team there, and they want to help you live wide awake and fully alive to the purpose that God is calling you in your life. And we're going to head back into a worship song, and we're going we're gonna to worship together. And during that song, what I would like for you to do all across this stage up front, we have keys. I've got one on my neck, but we've got keys all up here. I want you to take this key. Why? Because it's going to be a reminder of the authority that God has given you. It's going to be a reminder of the key in the areas in your life that God is calling you to have dominion over. Maybe you already know and you're like, I'm just not there yet. I just don't know what it looks like but I need God to help me. Let this be your reminder. So band, let's go back in to this worship song. And as we stand and worship together, why don't you come up and grab a key. Oh God, my God, I need you.
Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.